Don't go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. All right, you guys, what's going on? It's episode 238 now of the Ron and Don Show. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Yeah, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, there's a story about two twin brothers played for the Seahawks. Now they're going to play for another NFL team. This story's really not about football, though. It's about, well, we'll tell you about it coming up here in 10 minutes. Also, watching Oprah. Super Soul Conversation, a couple weeks ago, sitting down in her backyard among the oak trees with Harry and also Megan Mar. Is it Megan or Megan? Megan. Yeah. Why do I call her Megan? I don't know. I don't know. I believe Megan is M-E-E-G-A-N. There's so many spellings <laughs> anyway, of Megan, Megan. I know. Any, anyway, I read that there was something that Oprah was doing in that interview that involved emotional intelligence? She doesn't do it just in that interview. She does it all the time. Okay. Anyway, I think I've cracked the code. Really? Of, of what Oprah was doing, and I might do some of it to you. Perfect. Uh, coming up here in mere moments. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. Uh, Governor Inslee finally got fed up with it about 10 days ago by the time you listen to this podcast and said, hey, Seattle Public Schools, I know I was saying It was up to me to shut the schools down and to shut things down, but then it's up to school districts to open back up. It looked like the Seattle school district wasn't going to open back up. My son, in fact, told me a couple weeks ago as we were laying on his bed at night and we talk about the things we want to talk about. I said, hey, is there something you want to talk about? He goes, yeah, the word daddy with all the parents and all the teachers and all the kids is that I'm never going to be a fifth grader. I'm never going to walk the halls of my elementary school again. And let's face it, when you've gone through kindergarten and first, second, third, fourth grade, you want to walk those halls. Yeah, you do. You're yeah. the king of the hill. And, and then also at the end of their school year, they have a big jogathon. They have a big field day. They have an award ceremony. I'm actually glad that the jogathon's not happening because your son took me for $100 last year. <laughs> yeah, that's right. $100. So any, anyway, the fear is, well, if we force these teachers to go back to school, they're going to strike. We've seen now there's been a pivot to get these teachers vaccinated. In fact, my son's teacher the other day on Friday said, I'm not going to be available. I'm getting vaccinated. Made a big deal out of that. There's still a bunch of teachers, though, that don't want to go back. There's some teachers that are resigning. Uh, My son's principal has announced that this will be her last year, and she has been at this particular elementary school for decades. I don't know if that was planned or not. What do you think about the governor stepping in and saying, hey, by April 19th, Seattle Public Schools, and I'm not just talking little kids. You better have a plan. Kids need to be able to come back if they want to stay at home. They can stay at home. But you need to have a plan where they can come to school at least a couple times a week. Are we asking teachers to do too much here? Because now you're asking them to teach in the classroom. And then for the kids that don't want to come, you're also responsible for the kids that aren't showing up that aren't in the classroom and they're on a computer screen somewhere. Uh, with, I, with, I, 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 if, if I'm a teacher, I get that. That has to be a difficult assignment. So I'll defer to you because you obviously have a school-aged child and I do not. But just uh, the way I think about this, with all due respect to the governor, 
Take a hike. Um, this is not like you're, it's a job that you're pulling down, you know, high six figures like you would being an executive at, at one of the tech companies around here. It, it's in terms of our area, low six figures though. It's a relatively median level paying job. You are, and, and people might roll their eyes at that, but I'm just saying you, you are putting yourself in, in harm's way if you are unvaccinated. I know teachers are making a buck 40, buck 50. I don't, I don't think that's a, Medial job. I think it was. A lot I'm not of, saying it's a medial job. A lot of money. I'm saying that you are you are being told to put yourself at risk with a group of people, the children I'm talking about now, where every year I remember year in and year out when uh, when G went back to school that kids just get sick. Like that's a germ factor. You go from everybody being in their own home. Uh, into the schools, and I would watch it every year. It's like, okay, kids are going back to school in in ten days. Everybody's going to be sick in this office because the kids would go to school. They would get sick. They'd bring it home to mom and dad. They'd get sick, and they'd bring it to the office, and then everybody in the office would get sick. Yeah, but you always say embrace the science. The science says that's not happening. The CDC has come out and said it's time to go back to school. It's safe to go back to school, and they're even saying maybe we don't have to socially distance. Uh, Vaccinate them. Maybe maybe three feet is okay. Vaccinate them. Vaccinate every teacher and every school child. Like, I'm sorry. The, the president of the United States has been saying, I just ordered another 100 million doses. I don't know how many school kids there are in America, but if there's 330 million Americans, we can't have more than 100 then million they, then, school th- children. Then kids aren't going to go back. Kids aren't going to go back. They won't go back this year. Vaccinate if, if you, them. If you, they don't, you, you can't. You don't have enough vaccine right now to vaccinate. Then they're not ready to go back. Yeah. So That's I just, my so, opinion. So I, so I disagree. I, I think it's time to go back. I, th- I, I am more concerned about the mental health uh, I have seen the rates of suicide skyrocket, especially amongst young girls. And I think it is important that teachers get vaccinated. I think the science says, I don't think our kids need to be vaccinated. I really don't. Uh, and if they get vaccinated sometime in the fall, I'm going to go talk to my, my sons. In fact, we're going to go get a physical here in a couple of weeks. Uh, I think it's time. I am very, very concerned about the mental health of children. At the same time, if there's a, if, if there's a teacher out there and they have underlying conditions, and they haven't been vaccinated yet, and you haven't provided that opportunity, then I'm with you. I am with you. Right. Teachers should have the opportunity to get vaccinated. I don't think kids need to get vaccinated in order for school to begin and to start. And I just look at schools all around the country. These are not super spreader events. At least they haven't been. And if we believe the science and we believe the CDC, they say it's time to go back. I'm with the governor when he says it's time to go back. So it's time to go back. We'll see you on the other side of this. If you're downsizing, upsizing, or right-sizing, Ron and Don can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit-down. I had grown to trust the image of Ron and Don, you know, doing their their advocacy for all the charities and stuff that they do. And I thought, well, they seem like good guys. Let's go for it. When I uh, decided to put my home on the market, it was a natural for me to choose them to list the property. Ron and Don proposed a sit-down, so they came over to our house. They came super prepared, and they came more in learning mode, right, and what was important to each of us. When we first sat down, they showed me what property was selling for in my neighborhood. They had several suggestions on, you know, when we should go on the market, what we needed to do to get ready to go on the market. They were precise and clear, 
They managed our expectations well. If Don saw, you know, a risk or an area of concern he wanted us to be aware of, they just they just did a superb job. And they seemed personally interested in the houses we would tour. I think both of them said at some point when we were apologizing at how many houses we looked at, said, we love looking at houses. They didn't hesitate to jump in and make this the house for us. They do have a way of making you feel like they're your only client. <laughs> That's super important to me. I don't think we'd have this house if it hadn't been for Ron and Don. I think I was just so impressed with the quality of the work that they did. We had multiple offers, $50,000 more than the asking price. He had no contingencies, so I jumped on that one. It was the best case scenario. We couldn't have done better. It couldn't have been a better experience. The buying process was wonderful and the selling process felt like we were their most important project. I couldn't be happier with the experience we had. I can't wait to do another deal with them. It was great. It was awesome. When you're ready to sit down with Ron and Don and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. Hey, it's GeForce O'Neill. Thanks for listening to my dad and his boyhood friend, Mr. Ron. All right, you guys, welcome back to episode 238 of the Ron and Don Show. I don't know about you, but I'm trying to be more emotionally intelligent, and I feel like I'm not. The more I read about it, the more I realize it's one thing to practice it. It's one thing to read about it. It's one thing to agree but when you are in a situation, like like even just now, I just snapped at you. Like I just snapped because cause cause you asked me a question and we're on a clock. And and the way that I just responded to you was not emotionally intelligent. So I'm sorry about that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you are no Oprah Winfrey. So. What is what is emotional intelligence? When you when you when you well, hear that, what is emotional intelligence? Mean? I can't. You can't explain the entire concept in one segment. But they did. There there was an article that came out that you actually sent to me uh, about this interview, and you teased it with Oprah Winfrey and the Royals, where they talked about a concept of uh, phrases that are parallel versus phrases that are con, uh, converging. Convergent, yeah. And so, um, and they, they use those terms because we all remember in high school geometry, if two things are parallel, they will never intersect. They will never touch each other. And if two things are, lines are convergent, they will touch each other and they will intersect. So they're talking about, so in other words, the, the big one that jumped out to me, and you get this all the time, someone will say something like, um, oh my gosh, my, my cat just died. And so let's say this, you'll see a post like this on, on Facebook. There are two distinct parallel versus convergent responses that will happen in that thread. The parallel ones like, oh my God, my cat died last year too. His name was Fluffy and here's a picture of Fluffy and he was the greatest cat ever. That is a parallel statement. You are not empathizing, which, with which the, is not emotionally intelligent, which is right? the, the lesser of the emotionally intelligent one. Okay. So that statement is saying, I don't care about your cat dying. I want you to care about my cat dying a year ago. Right now, the convergent statement would be something like, and you would coach me up here a little bit on this, but something like. Don, I'm so sorry that your cat died. I know what you're going through. I want to be here to support you. I want to be here to support you. Yeah. And then just leaving that. So now the other person, I don't have to bring up the fact that Fluffy died. And if we connect uh, and now you call me or I call you and I say, 
Hey man, I, it's got to be tough right now. And you don't because Fluffy, you know. And you don't say, "I know how you feel." You would say, "I'm listening," and and I hear that you're saying this, and then you might repeat back to them about yeah that I I'm I'm here for you. I'm listening. Your cat died. Man, tell me, tell me what's going on. Yeah, how does how are you feeling? That had to really hurt for you. Really hurt because you love your cat so much. How are you handling this? You keep you keep the spotlight on them versus the spotlight on you, right? I had a cat that died, and people that do this really uh, are annoying. And I think that all of us have been in that boat when you were less emotionally intelligent. You you feel like you're affiliating with them by saying I've had a shared experience, but really what you've done is taken the spotlight and put it on yourself. Yeah. What they're saying though is you you let let's say that you're talking to someone and they're telling you they're going through a really hard time. Instead, you're literally having to look on your phone yeah, to instead, make sure you get this instead right. Instead of saying I've had a hard time too, I understand exactly. You might say I've had a hard time too. That's okay, but tell me more about what's been going on, right? right? And and keeping the spotlight and keeping the conversation with them. And what's really interesting is after you read this and then you go back and you listen to Oprah or even Gail King interview people when Gail does it on, on CBS uh, Morning News, or you listen to Oprah on her podcast on the Super Soul Conversations, she does a really good job at keeping the spotlight on the person that is sitting there and at the same time not making them feel like like they're being interviewed by a reporter and that they don't have empathy. That's the hard thing because sometimes what I'll do is I'll keep the spotlight on someone too much and then I'll have – like let's say that I went out with, with someone and I went on a date and it's someone that I don't really know but I'm really interested in them. When people ask me about me – I'm not interested in saying anything about me because I already know about me and it's not it's boring for me to tell you about my childhood it's boring for me to tell you about my radio career even real estate stuff even being a dad I don't I I want to talk I want to learn about you but a lot of times then people will feel feel like I'm interviewing them yep. instead and deflect. of What's that? And you're deflecting. Yeah. So, so what do you what do you think the magic well, is in that? The, uh, well, the magic is is that you need to reciprocate. Reciprocity um, is understood even by animals. So you take two dogs and you give one dog a treat and you don't give the other dog a treat. You do that a second time and the dog gets it. A dog will go. Wait a minute. You're giving a treat to dog A and I don't get a treat. So reciprocity, they, they, all animals understand that and feel that. The other thing that Oprah does really well that they, they point out in this emotional IQ or EQ, um, article is that when Harry or Megan would say something, even about like, let's say the, the, the color of the child's skin, the, the, how, how dark is the baby going to be comment? A lot of times she'll just go, huh? Wow. And then let them respond. Let them fill the air and not go on a diatribe about what they think about it or a condemnation just to go, that's that's incredible. Or react in some way, huh? And then let them fill in. And, and you and I, I think, are horrible at that because we've been trained for so many years in radio to not have dead air uh, and to keep things moving that sometimes you just got to let there be silence and just say, wow, 
How'd that hit you? What'd you make of that? And then let, give them the chance to uh, to answer the question. I thought that's remarkable. Yeah, it was interesting. I read a book by uh, Howard Stern about some of his best interviews. When you go back and you listen to his early interviews where he's just so full of self, he would cut people off all the time. And we're taught to do that in radio. When someone's not interesting, cut them off. Cut off the caller. Cut off the guest. Cut, we, we aren't taught to listen. We're taught to move it. Just keep it moving. Keep it fun. Keep it entertaining. Keep it in for Just keep it moving. Uh you listen to him now in his interviews, and there are big spaces where he does exactly what Oprah, where he just goes, huh? And even now, I'm uncomfortable with That's that. That's very uncomfortable for us. Yeah. Anyway, we'll see you on the other side of this. Let's get it done in 2021 with Ron and Don. All right, you guys, welcome back to episode 238. And again, if you need to get in touch with us, uh, reach out to Ron, Ron at Windermere.com. Check out the website, ronandonsitdown.com. And you need a great advocate when it comes to real estate. And we just got done closing a deal in Port Orchard and up to Everett. And we have homes coming on all over Seattle, all over the North End, the South End. So if you're within the sounds of our voice, if we can't help you, we can find somebody that can. So just reach out, ron at windermere.com. And let's do a, a sit down today. One of the hardest things about, do you remember the parade that we had here, 2013, 2014, when the Seahawks won the Super Bowl? I remember taking my son, putting him on his shoulders, starting up somewhere around the Space Needle, walking the parade so route. So cold that day. Seeing hundreds of thousands of people and then all the way down to the stadium. The Seahawks were there. They had arrived. We remember Beast Mode out there throwing skillets, people throwing skillets at him. No, Skittles. They weren't throwing skillets. (laughs) (laughs) That would have hurt. Beast Mode hit me in the head with a skillet. It was cast iron. I left a mark. Yeah, Skittles. I said Skillets? Yeah. (laughs) It was cool as they had these ride the ducks and everybody got on a duck and he got his very own duck. Yeah, I did. I think. And then he jumped on the duck with the with the seagulls. Anyways, it was, it, was, it was a great celebration in this city. And we remember all the players because we call him Bobby, not Bobby Wagner or last name. We call him Bobby or we call Russell Wilson Russ, right? And over the years now, we're beginning to look at this team and we're seeing a lot of those Super Bowl players disappear. And in the wake, we've seen some other players become stars. Two stars in particular that even though they haven't won a Super Bowl yet, I think a lot of people thought they would win a Super Bowl, the Seattle Seahawks. It looks like that is never going to happen. And two of the fan favorites now are leaving the organization and heading where? And there's a lot more to this story, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to get to your, your feelings about this story. It's the Griffin brothers, Shaquille and Shaquem Griffin. And the reason why this story resonates, it's not even a football story to me. Uh, they're twin, they're identical twin brothers, and they're from Florida. Uh, when they were in utero, the umbilical cord wrapped around Shaquem's left arm by his hand. It wrapped around his wrist. And as he grew in utero, that constricted the blood flow to his left hand. So uh, in all other ways, perfectly healthy and identical to, to Shaquille. So they're born, and they see that this they have to cut the umbilical cord off of this uh, his limb, and the hand is is severely um, emaciated and and deformed. 
So the family at a very young age, uh, they need to make a decision. Do we, do we keep this non-functioning hand or do we have it surgically removed? And as a very young child, uh, Shaquem was like, cut it off. It's an impediment to me playing and to doing what I want to do. So he has an operation. They remove the hand and the, the family never treated him any different. So when it came time to tie his shoes, he had to figure out a way to tie his shoes. When it was time to try out for football practice and put his helmet on, put his pads on, with the one hand, he had to figure out how to do that. To lift weights, they made special attachments for the weights, and he would lift weights. So his parents and his brother never felt sorry for him. You have to, if you want to do something, you do it. Don't don't give me an excuse that you only have one hand. So they grow up, and both of them turn out to be incredibly gifted athletes. And they decide to go out for the high school football team together. They're stars. So Shaquille, with two hands, he's getting recruited as a cornerback, a defensive cornerback, by the blue-chip programs all across America. You know, all of the, the big schools, the name-brand schools, want him. He's that good. And so he goes to these recruiters and he goes to the coach. He's like, I will come play here on one condition. You bring my brother with me. He's great. People are overlooking him because he only has one hand. He's an incredible athlete. All the big programs turn him down. They find a school. I think it was Central Florida. I'm doing this off the top of my head. It was a smaller college. It's still Division I, but a Division I school that's not a name brand in Florida says, fine, we want you so much, we'll take your brother too. Both guys get on the team. It soon becomes apparent that Shaquem, with one hand, is going to outwork everybody within 100 miles of this football program. He puts in more reps, more time in the gym, He's got the best attitude of anyone there. He's just going to outwork everybody. So his star begins to rise. Um, and after the three years in the program, Shaquille's ready for the NFL. And the Seahawks say, we're going to draft you. You're that good. So he leaves his junior year, goes to the NFL, gets drafted by the Seahawks. Nobody wants Shaquem. Shaquem comes back for his final year of college, plays as a senior. He comes out and nobody's looking at him. Nobody's looking at him and, and his, I don't know, remember how exactly some people pressured or pulled some strings or whatever and said, can we get Shaquem to the combine? Now the combine is a thing that happens every year where you have these same metrics. Every, every athlete goes through the same thing. They run a 40 yard dash. They do a standing broad jump. They just do a vertical jump. They run do, the cones. They run the cones, and they'll do. There are some other specific ones for positions, and then they also do. How many times can you bench press two hundred and twenty-five pounds? Two twenty-five. That's right. And uh, so they go through. Shaquem Griffin crushes the record in virtually every category for his position. Forty-yard dash time, like the best ever. 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 Um, for his position. He gets to the to 225 and he shows up and he has a device that's a carbon fiber boot that just locks onto the bar and he shoves his stump into that boot. He had more reps at 225 than anyone at his position in the history of the NFL. Mm. He had with, with one hand, mm. people went crazy. Still, nobody would draft him. So he kept sinking in the draft, sinking in the draft, sinking in the draft. And Shaquille goes to the coaches and like, you got to take my brother. 
I'm telling you, you will not regret it. So the Seahawks take him, and it was a feel-good story. He didn't, he didn't make the roster squad. They've had him on the practice squad. Again, outworked everybody on the practice squad, got called up to play special teams, kind of bounced back and forth a little bit, but just an incredible human being. And there are pictures. Go out and look for these online. Where Wherever they would go in the NFL, Shaquem would come out way before kickoff, and there would be young men and women from even the opposing team that also had a hand missing that would come down, and he would spend time with every single one of those kids uh, around the perimeter of the field. So now it looks like both brothers have gone to Jacksonville, and they are both going to be Jacksonville Jaguars, no longer Seattle Seahawks. My question to you is, what does it say about Shaquem, and what does it say about Shaquille, that Shaquille gave up going to a bigger program? He's given up real money to say, I I want my brother to play with me for his entire life. How do you interpret both both sides of that equation it's kind of interesting because I, I and you remember this when i was younger in my 20s i dated uh identical twins uh, well one of the one of the twins and, and my roommate actually dated the other twin and he's a uh, police officer that actually ended up getting getting married and it was uncanny this connection that these twins have and i understand that all twins don't have this some do some don't and some lean into it and really celebrate it there's a place called Twinsburg, Ohio, and they have twins come there each and every year, twins from all around the world to Twinsburg. Uh, it's quite a thing to see, and she would go there with her sister. Um, but but they had a they had the same thing. They just they just had a special connection that I have never felt with with anyone. And you and I have a brotherhood and I have very, very close friends, men and women in my life and family members in my in and and maybe I feel that with with my little boy. What's interesting though is they this I don't have. Like like she could be somewhere and her sister could be in another state and 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 they would get on the phone and they would have a premonition and the premonition would come true. And it was it was it was just mind blowing. So it seems to me and and other twins end up hating each other because it's like. I don't want to be identical. I don't want to look like you. I want to find my own way in life. I'm going to move 3,000 miles away. So, so there's that reaction sometimes to Twindom too. And I think with these guys, I think with these guys, and, and congratulations to their family because, I, because I'm sure that they did feel sorry for them. They just couldn't show that. They could not show that. There, there are times in being a dad where I do feel sorry for my son or even with our dog when we're training him. You do feel sorry, but you just know I can't start feeding Charlie chicken, even though it's cute from the dinner table, because of all the other things that will come unraveled when I do that. Or with my son, there's 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 certain times where he has to get up early and we have to do some specific things concerning movement, concerning school, uh, and concerning some other things. And it and it's like I feel like I'm being a hard her on him. But I know that it's building grit, and I know it's building fortitude. Because if I'm Shaquem, I would be super angry, and he does not come off as angry at all. Oh, no. He and sees- if I'm Shaquille, yeah. I would have some resentment Oh, uh, of like, dude, 
like it's just luck of the draw, man. Like I'm, I'm, I can't drag you through all of life, but he doesn't seem to have any of that at all. Yeah, and so it, they just seem remarkable to yeah, me. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see if Pete Carroll. Well, Pete Carroll was able to keep their brothers together when they go to Jacksonville. We'll 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 see if, if they're able to continue to both keep playing pro football. And when one's done, will the other one be done? But I think that's truly a story of family of love and grit and fortitude and looking out for each other. And at the same time, that balance of, I'm not going to feel sorry for you because if I feel sorry for you and you don't grow in these very specific areas of your life, then you're not going to be ready for life when I'm not around, right? When I'm not around. And we as a parent, we think about that when it comes to our kids because chances are we want them to have grit and fortitude too, especially the times when we are no longer around hey you guys thanks for listening to episode 238 we sure do appreciate you you keep your head up you keep your shoulders back and we'll see you next time for episode 239 only on the ron and don radio network hey thanks for listening to the ron and don show now keep your head up and your shoulders back and find some black belt courage ha! i'm not kidding <laughs>